Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. He's been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. One-on-one with Ted Sobel. Hello, friends. Jim Nance here, and you're listening to Touching Greatness. Yes, this is a wonderful tradition, you could say unlike any other, with Ted Sobel right here. Well, thanks very much, Jim Nance, and hello again, everybody, from Augusta, Georgia. I welcome you to my very, very special Masters Touching Greatness podcast here on the Believe Network. Please sit back, enjoy my conversations with seven Masters champions, including Hall of Famers Gary Player and Ben Crenshaw, and my sit-downs with ESPN Scott Van Pelt and CBS sportscaster Vern Lundquist. If you enjoy anything about the great traditions at the Masters, this is your must-listen for some of the great names in the history of golf. Now let's start out with my chat with longtime ESPN sportscaster and former Golf Channel host and reporter Scott Van Pelt talking under the tree alongside the clubhouse and the first fairway at Augusta National to get his thoughts on this historic site and the week of play which is underway. Scott, Touching Greatness is the name of my podcast. Mm -hmm. So here we are at the Masters. How much greater does it get than this for you? My favorite week of the year. Is it? Without question. It's uh. This tree where we're standing under, you know, you tell people meet me at the tree and you just see friends and catch up. And I just met a bunch of people. I don't know who they are, but they're the people that watch what we do. So it's a great chance to, I mean, they're not touching greatness. They're, they're, they're connecting to the idiot they watch on TV. <laughs> but, it's, but it's really, it gives you that opportunity. It gives you an opportunity to see friends that you don't see other than here each year. I just saw Ian Poulter. I said, you know, I don't see it much these days, but if we meet every year under the tree at Augusta, we're good. And he said, forever. I said, done. So. Long answer to a short question, it does not get better than this. There is a fraternity here mm-hmm. that, unlike any other, if you pardon the steal in that line. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, well, I mean, there's the most, it's the most exclusive fraternity of the game, you know, for the Tuesday night champions dinner. I mean, that's, it's neat to hear guys talk about what that means. But then, I mean, I think, I don't know if it's, I think it's fraternity and sorority. I think it's men, oh, yeah. the men and the women and the, and the friends you see every year that are here, um, many of whom I only see this week. And I, and I don't have to see him again, uh, to, but it's just the hello and the appreciation for where we are and the, the chance to, to, be, uh, to be here that, I don't know, just it's like life-affirming, soul-affirming, that whole bit. I bet you remember the first time you walked on these grounds, don't you? 1997. Tiger, kid named Tiger Woods won the Masters. It was, it was rather memorable. But, I mean, every year is memorable here. Um, but that was the first year. And um, I haven't been to everyone since, but I've been to most everyone since. And so, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just incredible the, the place is it's it's indescribable if you've never been um there's no way to explain to somebody what the place is unless you see it and definite bucket list for anybody who likes anything about sports right yeah and i tell people that like if, okay like if you're a college basketball fan you should go to cameron because cameron's cool or fog allen because it's great if you like college football you need to see a game in uh baton rouge at night uh if you're a baseball fan you got to go to wrigley or fenway but those are football stadiums and basketball stadiums and baseball stadiums this is the only one of these that there is, and to come here, and, and, I, and I was on a radio show with a guy last week in Chicago, and Waddle and Sylvie, and uh, Waddle said to me, after I got done waxing poetic, I said, maybe I'm overselling it. He goes, no, I went last year. He said, if anything, you're underselling it. So 
You've got to come, and it's doable. I mean, is it a pricey ticket, as we know? Yeah, it is. It's not inexpensive. If you're a sports fan, though, it's money well spent because it will be greater than you picture it right now as you listen to us. And tell the listeners your golf background because you were on TV doing a lot of golf early on, huh? Well, yeah, I was with the Golf Channel. Exactly. Yeah, that's where I started. How many I, years I, were you there? Uh, 95 till 2000, so it was a short time. Um, but I actually just saw a great buddy of mine that, that we started at the Golf Channel together um, back in 94. And we were just laughing about the insanity of the whole, all of it. My story, the what the Golf Channel's become. I mean, we were just kind of winging it. We didn't know if it would succeed. And then a guy named Tiger Woods came along, and, and he lifted the entire sport and our channel. Uh, to where it now is. So, I mean, I, I grew up with that. When I started with ESPN, I was mostly covering golf, and um, things sort of evolved from there to where they where they now are. And, and it's nice that I get to continue to do a little bit of golf and come back here every year. Just a quick thing on the tournament itself this week. Uh -huh. uh, as wide open as it's ever been? I agree. Um, I just think the list of people that would reasonably be considered uh, contenders is very, very high. Um, I think, I mean, I've been picking Tony Finau just so I can say a name nobody else will say. But, I mean, if, if Rory won, if DJ won, if Spieth won, if Rose won, if Tiger won, if Paul Casey won, if, I mean, I could keep going. It's about 15 to 20 guys, right? I think, but in the last 10 years, you know, only two winners have been 20 to 1 or less in Vegas. So you need to look a little bit further down the list, not to 100 to 1 necessarily, but maybe in the 30 to 1, maybe somebody in that Maybe Louis Ustase and something like that, a guy who could have won here, has been close. And there's so many guys that you could say could have won, was close. And when the time comes to win, you just you have to grab it. Danny Willett did. Charles Schwartzel did. Uh, just um, Trevor Immelman did. Yep. Like These are guys that had one chance, and when that chance came, they took it. The guys that get time after time and don't, those are the guys that end up being Ernie Els, Tom Weisskopf, David Duvall, Greg Norman, all great players who never won here for one reason or another. So Do you think the changes they've made in the last whatever amount of years has made the difference in you can't just be a specific kind of golfer, it opens it up? I guess. I just, I just think everyone comes here with the same level of love. Like, you go to some courses and guys just, they don't like it. Like, ah, this, car, this layout's BS, I don't like it, I don't like Lynx golf, whatever it is. Everyone comes here with the same love. Everyone. You know, it's like it's like it's like the most beautiful girl in school, and everyone has a crush on her. And so everyone, you know, what I'm saying, like yep. everyone feels the same. There's the same level of admiration and appreciation. Um, and you know, she can only go out with one guy at the end of the week. You know, so who gets to go steady with Augusta National at the end of the week? I don't know. Um, I, I, my guess is it'll be someone whose name is very well known in the golf world. Uh, it won't be an accident. Won't be a surprise. But it might not be Rory or DJ. Or Tiger might be somebody. What's up, big boy? Billy Ho. Might be Billy Horschel. Maybe. Like, like there's a guy. Like he could win. Like, Why not? And he I probably mean, looks good in green. Yeah. I mean, and he's he's you know well fit and all the rest. But I mean, look, there's a tour champion. He I mean he won, he won the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, four last four winners are first time guys. So I mean that, that's my point. Like Billy Horschel wins Sunday night. You go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean because the field's so small, it's not going to be somebody that's a total outlier. You just don't have that many people here that are what you would call total long shot dark horses but back to the point you made open wide open yeah absolutely what do you do all week here i've worked for the last three hours i got a little bit of time here I now have i to feel say, guilty thank I you have for to say taking goodbye to you so yes. that i can go back and be on the air because wow. we're back on the air in a couple of minutes sorry about that <laughs> no it's quite all right if i had to go i'd no, go no, I got it. uh but tuesday and wednesday are the busy days then thursday we come on the air at three and and you know it's a cbs broadcast but it's on our air and That's i'm in right. i'm in butler cabin mostly Beautiful. just just hanging out um 
and I look around and I pinch myself and think, nice how, how, did I, how did I get to do this? And, uh, and I'm just grateful. It's great to see you. Pleasure. Thanks for the time. Appreciate Scott Van Pelt giving us his time, as did longtime CBS Sports voice Vern Lundquist, who's covered this Masters event forever. And it was great to see him and his wife, Nancy, at the clubhouse at Augusta National as well. Vern Lundquist, how many is this now for you in the Masters? Uh, 35. That's all. One more than Jim Nance. I remember and, you told me a few years ago, and it's going to stay that way yeah, as long yeah, as you can. I, I, and then when I retire, Jim will scoot by me. No, no, you're, it's called a hitman. Ah. You take care of him. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's going for 50. I know wow. that. And uh, I'm not going to get there. But no, 35 this year. And I remember some part of every one of them. Wow. So what do you remember the first time you did it that stands out in your mind? Interesting. Uh, as we're standing here, our compound is probably half a mile, maybe a mile over beyond the par three. I drove into the compound, parked my car. There were two production trucks down. Now there are 50 something. Wow, that's incredible. And Bob Daly was our director, and he met me at the car, and he said, I know you think you've seen the golf course because you've watched it on television. You haven't really seen the golf course. Hop in my cart. So we wheeled out of the compound, went down through the nursery, came across the entrance at the fairway at number 11. And he said, now take a look to your left. There was the 11th green. Say amen. And say, <laughs> look to your right. That would be the 12th. So my first view of the golf course was 11 and 12. And I was working 13. Oh, wow. So we go down the fairway, by the fairway. And we cut to the right. And that was my first view. And he took me around the entire course. A pretty nice way to see it for the first time. How many times have you played the course? Twice. Okay, I'm surprised. I would have figured you would have said maybe 20. No, twice. And after the second one, I said, that's it? Really? Well, I played the, the second the, the second time, gosh, I bet it's been 20 years ago, on Monday when they let certain people right. you do a handicap system. And, sure. Uh, I was with Jan Stevenson, the sure. great the great golfer. Uh, Rick Gentile, who was then our executive producer, okay. and Frank Kinnian's son. That was our foursome. And we teed off at seven, right? You didn't you teed off from the members' tees, I assume. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Not that backstop. Now now we, we we all did well at that one. We're coming down to and the sun breaks. And I was walking next to Jan. And I said, so help me God, I feel I'm walking in the middle of a television commercial. It was that beautiful. Wow. So you we a played few a few. <laughs> and I shot 40 in the back nine. Not bad. And I said, I'm hanging it up. Wow, really? That, that's it. I, oh, that's funny. I never, I, I don't, I don't, I'd love to play it again. I can't play anymore because I've got arthritis and oh. thumbs. So I gave up the game 10 years ago, but I do have my memories. That's fantastic. And I know the last time we spoke, your memory, your best memory of the, your actual call, Mr. Woods. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and just, like, scream it out? Does he do that? No, no. Do you need to, like, get him a sedative uh, yeah. or anything? Or? If Nancy can't sleep, I'll say, end your life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that one's retired. That was retired. Uh, yeah. yeah. That and yes, sir, yes. have been retired. 
Yes. And so, uh, uh, but you know, what a great memory to have. So. Yeah, the, the yes, sir, we and you've talked about it many times. You stole it, but you didn't know you stole it. That's exactly right. Ben Wright used it at 15, right. and I was unaware of that until about seven years later. Seven years? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, we were sitting there. I would have thought somebody would have oh, said no, something. Oh, no, like, no, not wow. a word. Seven years later on a Saturday night, I was rooming with Peter Costas and David Faraday. And David was out making a lot of money. And Peter and I weren't quite that much in demand. So we're watching the Frozen Four in ice hockey. And he said, by the way, are you aware that Ben Wright claims that you stole that line from him? And I said, what are you talking about? Well, Ben was no longer involved. And he told me the circumstance. And I said, I just don't believe that. David Graham, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, he does. He does look great. Because uh, he's close to 80, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, Ben said, uh, I mean, and Ben and I have only talked about it once, and he was bitter about it. And I thought, that's pretty pity. What? Pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't know. But, no, I did not steal it. Because you didn't know it. it did, had is been, that because you don't listen to the whole cast? No, or, or it's just a, something he said. hit you and, and yeah. um, no, I have no idea. It's great to talk to you, Vern. Thanks, Dan. That's CBS sportscaster Vern Lundquist here on the Touching Greatness podcast on the Believe Network. As you likely know, Vern made some of the classic calls in the history of this tournament and has been so fortunate to witness the greats of the game here. And there have been few greater than the three-time Green Jacket winner who played this event a record 52 times and a special friend, Hall of Famer Gary Player, shortly before hitting a ceremonial opening tee shot alongside his buddy Jack. Nicholas. First of all, thank you again for endorsing my book, Touching Greatness. No, I mean, it, it's a pleasure. It's a, it's a total pleasure to have you there. And, and what's it like coming back here every year, knowing that that locker is always waiting for you and everybody can't wait to see you here? Well, first of all, uh, this is my 62nd uh, visit to Augusta. That's a lot of times, huh? I mean, most people don't live that long. <laughs> but uh, coming back here is obviously a thrill. You see so many fans and so many friends and so many business transactions take place here and you play in the par three which is very exciting such enthusiasm and enthusiasm is one of the great essences of life uh, you then have uh, the long driving competition between Nicholas and I opening up the event 10,000 people being there at 7.30 in the morning so now it's a long drive competition Yo, right? <laughs> yes, no, it always has no, been between you guys uh, yeah. and if I hit it properly I'll outdrive him because I, I can outdrive exactly. him now but if you, you only get, there are no mulligans you right. only get one shot, huh? only one shot Right. so whoever hits it well that's important but that's immaterial it's, uh, <laughs> we want to try and outdrive each other but it's the spirit of this tournament and the dinner last night with all the champions there, the great stories that are told and the camaraderie that exists between the young guys there and the older guys is remarkable. Everybody with their green jacket on. And uh, it's, it's some, uh, uh, you know, you go back to Bobby Jones and Clifford Roberts and you think of the tradition that they instilled in this tournament and the discipline 
uh, it's something special. The British Open and the and the Masters are my two favorites, I must say. It's a Masters. I, I like all of them. I like the US Open and the PJ, all of them. But <laughs> you especially the, like the ones that you won. Well, <laughs> I've been very blessed. And, you know, people often say to me, what's the best I ever did in my life? I said, the best effort I ever did was being the only man in the planet to win the Grand Slam on the regular tour and the senior tour. Oh, very so, nice. And the senior tour, nobody else did it. That's So great. it's hard to do. Exactly. Hard to do. There were five of us that did it on the regular tour. And that brings me to Rory yes. this week. If he can win, he wins, uh, becomes a Grand Slam winner, which would be great for golf. Be great for golf if Tiger Woods could come in and win. There are a lot of people, uh, you know, that uh, are there. Dustin Johnson. You can. Uh, I, th I think Ricky Fowler is going to do well this week. There are a host of them, as always. There's always been a host of guys that can do well here. But this, to me, I, I don't know why. I just get the feeling this is going to be one of the most exciting masters I've ever been to. That's fantastic. Yeah. Gary, you ever wake up in the middle of the night though, there's like one thought that always comes back to you from the Masters yes. when you play? Which yes. one? Coming back in 30, in 1978, I'm seven shots behind Tom Watson going into the last round. I shoot 64 with a bogey, okay. and I shoot 30 on the back nine, having touched the cup three times. So if they'd gone in and I shot 27, would have been bad news. I would have never been invited back here. <laughs> so, no, and then I stood on the last one. I looked at the scoreboard and I had a 20-foot downhill putt. And I said, if I hold this, I'll win. And my caddy arrived here that week and said, Gary, I need a house, man. He said, I've got a lot of children. I've got a house. I said, well, I'm going to win this week and we're going to get you a house. Oh, and I knocked fantastic. it right in the back. So that kind of thing is a, a dream fulfilled. Is the dinner a little different now without Arnie there? Oh, I obviously missed him last night, and I missed Ballesteros. Sure. You know, Absolutely. Arnie had a great life and lived a full life, but Ballesteros died at 52. Yep. So um, I, think, uh, I think one of the things you cherish and appreciate as you get older is, um, is health. And this is why I preach to American children who are becoming so obese. America is a land of so many obese people. It just upsets me so much. The greatest country in the world the greatest country in the world, and people are not appreciating it like they should. Really, I mean, you've got to get young people to stop being so overweight, you know? It's, they need their parents to, to guide them. It's so easy to become overweight, and it's very easy to be critical, but I'm not critical, but we've got a, a, you know, a healthy be, be nation. smart, that's all right. A healthy nation is right. a strong nation, and to maintain number one position in the world, you've got to have, you've got to have people that are healthy. The your children today, are not reading enough, they're not exercising enough, they eat too much, and they watch, sit in front of that that computer, whatever it may be, far too much. Yeah, well, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes screaming when I dream of bacon, because I know how many times you, you've <laughs> told me. You're not haunting you, Because eh? you told me yeah. many times, you're not eating bacon, are you? That's right. <laughs> Great to see you, Gary. Okay, thanks, thanks man. And from Gary Player to another Hall of Famer who won himself two green jackets here at Augusta National, it's always great to see 19-time tour winner Ben Crenshaw at the place he loves so much. Ben Crenshaw, it's a pleasure to have you on with us here on Touching Greatness. And when you win a green jacket a couple of times, and how many years in between was it that you... Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I, I have to... Whenever I get here, I said, it's just hard to believe that I played in this thing 43 times. Wow. And I, I first came here in 1972 as an amateur. I played twice as an amateur. And unfortunately, I played well enough to, to be invited the following year. Your top, top 44 in ties, that was what it was. So 
I never did, you know, had a year where I didn't play. So I've attempted to learn this golf course over all this time. But, you know, the bottom line is you learn something every time you're out there. And that's what fascinates this place and the players more than in any other place because its intricacies are come over a long period of time uh, and the knowledge of the course gets you through but it is very difficult uh to learn there's only been one guy fuzzy zeller i talked to him earlier and i wanted to ask you about that how amazing is that which is the most amazing thing because everyone knows that people have been here for many decades trying to figure this thing out and knowing but fuzzy I mean, it is really a remarkable thing. His caddy was named Eddie McCoy, and Fuzzy listened to him on every shot. But, you know, obviously, you know, those, the caddies, the club caddies, the, I'm telling you, they know this course like you can't believe. Yep. You have to but trust them, don't you? you got to execute as well. It's one thing that Eddie McCoy said, all right, you've got to put this ball two feet out to the right. And, right. and then it's another, he said, well, I've got to do it. And he did. Club choices, everything else. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. He told me that he never saw the course until that Monday of that week. And forever, they always say, you can't win this thing unless you played it whatever amount of times, right? The odds are way against you. Well, obviously, he's the only one who's ever done it. I, I don't, I, it may not happen again, really. <laughs> but I, it's, um, you know, to watch these guys, these players today are so good. They're, they're younger, they're deeper. There's so many people who can win this tournament yep. from around the world. I mean, we're seeing players from corners of the globe who are really skillful, and they're going to keep coming. And uh, uh, the fascinating thing, we're going to see how they get around this course this week. That, you know, unfortunately, there's some wetness in the yeah. in the forecast in the next couple of days. But uh, to watch them play. And this is a modern course, and it's amazing how this golf course has lengthened itself and, and stayed up with the game because nobody thought that people would be hitting the ball this far. Is this more than ever more wide open with more players like maybe 20 or 25 guys realistically have a very good shot? I think so, I, and that's just my opinion, but... Yeah. I've seen enough good golf at a, at a lot of these guys in different places around the world and places where really wonderful tests of golf and they, God, they can do it. I heard a funny line the other day about the way that, the way that people work out now on, on the tour. Dave Stockton, my old friend, said, you know, Ben, when we were playing, he said, the caddies today are in much better shape than what we were. <laughs> I said, you know what? That's right. That's Dave. funny. That's great. A USC guy. Exactly. Just like your daughter. <laughs> right. uh, when you see the players now, is there one guy or a couple guys that have a swing that say, like, wow, that is really special? Like an all-time, it's up there with you, like some of the old-timers. Yeah, I, I see a few. Uh, Justin Rose has one of the prettiest tempos, very smooth, classic, and elegant. And I, I think that he has a great chance this year. Uh, he's, he's mature. He's been through a, a lot of things. He's won major championships. 
he seems like he's he's got things together. Mm-hmm. But his it's a classic swing, classic, uh, and it's proper and sound. Uh, I'm kind of personally pulling for Roy McIlroy. Uh, it would be great for him. He's worthy of the slam. Would it be great for the sport, though, too, don't you think? I do. I do think so. He's very popular, right. but he's loads of natural ability. Um, uh, I'd like to see Ricky Fowler. He's played so well. He did what he had to do last year, birdie that last yeah. hole. Um, and he, he didn't lose it. He just got beat. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, no, I see the power of John Rahm. This guy's amazing. Like he is strong as a brute. Uh, there's some, I'll tell you whose who's swing that I love to watch. I always have loved it, but uh-huh. I'll tell you, he's swinging with a lot of grace and balance. It's Tiger Woods. I watched him warm up this morning. He is, looks really good. Just a matter of keeping it in the fairway, though, right, though? He's got to do it for four days. Occasionally, he, his driver yep. goes off a little bit, yep. but if he can make enough putts and he's feeling like he can hold putts, could be dangerous. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, Would that be a little bit of a story? That'd be incredible. <laughs> that'd be incredible. He'd be the uh, second oldest. Uh, Jack was 46 when he won, and I was 43 when I won, and I think I was the second oldest, but he's 43. Uh, but no, I mean, God, you, this guy, Aaron Wise, the people, this guy, beautiful player. And but these guys are, they're all good. And, and they're all, we'll just have to see who gets on a run and see who gets out of predicaments uh, to keep themselves going and keep their rounds going. It's, th- this place is amazing. People attempt shots here that they wouldn't normally do the rest of the year. It's a different course. That, it, it encourages you to take chances. You, you, you can't win this tournament by just playing it safe. You have, to, you have to be bold in spots. I think that's where Rory said in the past at times, especially on a Sunday, he tends to get way too conservative, and he's trying not to lose as opposed to just be. And he said this year, I'm going to bomb it and do what I need to do and go for it. Well, he, he's got the ability Class, to. For sure. But all of us have faced situations that, and you've, you've made the choices, and sometimes you play it a little safer. And, you know, you, you don't hurt yourself. But then I'm telling you, all of us have taken bold uh, choices and failed spectacularly. And I'm, it never leaves your mind. You know, to you hit a, feel like you hit a pretty decent shot into 13 going for it, and it, it's four feet to the right, and it bounces in the creek. And yes. you just go, God, now i got to start over again, you know. And if it was a couple of feet maybe to the left, it wouldn't have done that, right? Yeah. Just a couple of feet or maybe a few inches at times. There's lots of situations yeah. along the golf course that – and you know about other people having spectacular crashes as well. Oh, yeah. So it has a history of that. But on the other side, when you bring a shot off in a tight situation, there's nothing that gives you more confidence. So – it's it's that's it's the nature of the course. So what's it like coming back here, knowing that forever you have a locker, you got your jacket waiting for you, and then people just revere you because this thing is so special. Well, it is. I, I never won a British Open, or I never I was close. I was close in the U.S. Open. I was, lost a playoff in the PGA Championship, but 
yeah, I did win this twice, and it's it's a godsend. Uh, you think about people who should have been in that locker room as well. Some of my old friends, Johnny Miller, Tom Kite, Tom Weisskopf. Awesome. How could Many they greats. not have won? Yep. But it's hard. You just say you're you're more fortunate in spots than others. Uh, but to know that I'll I'll be here the rest of my life in with my locker mate, my old friend Jimmy Demerit. Oh wow, that's great. I forgot who my that. dad knew very really? well. I knew oh, Jimmy very well. Oh, that's wonderful. Three, he was a great guy, three, wasn't he? Three times he won here. Wow. This guy was amazing. Wow. He was quite a personality. That is such a neat story. <laughs> I love that. And you're such a traditionalist and a historian. I mean, I love your stories about the great Texans who are really the biggest part of this game in Byron and Hogan and, and those kind of guys. When you did this, let's say the first time, did Byron Nelson ever say anything special to you like, we're extra proud because you're, you're one of us? Well, he did. I first met Byron. I played my first U.S. Open at uh, Hazeltine in Minnesota in 1970. Okay. And he said, you know, I, Harvey Penick was one of his good friends. And uh, so he said, I, we're all for, awful proud of Texans. And, you know, he made it in a, in a great way. Right. He made you proud to, to know them. Because in our state, uh, Jackie Burke, yep. Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, Lee Trevino, uh, we had people that we looked up to. And uh, Jimmy Demerit was one of those. But uh, Jimmy became to- nationally known, too, because he was doing TV, right? Uh, so everybody knew. He's like, hey, he's one of our guys. Yeah, yeah Byron, Byron said, yeah, He watched me hit balls and encouraged oh, yeah. me. God, it was unbelievable. Wow. I have to tell you a funny story yeah. about the first year that I was here Please. when I was an amateur. I signed up, and Mr. Roberts, Mr. Roberts comes over to me, and he said, Ben, he said, we're very happy that you're here at Augusta. We're, we've heard about you. He said, you know, Texans have done awful well in this tournament. Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, Jimmy DeMere, Jackie Burke. He said, I, I spent a little time in Texas. I sold some oil, oil royalties. He said, I sold some, sold some clothes. Yeah, I spent a little time. He said, by the way, you know we have a barber shop on the grounds here. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so sum it up what this totally means to you from a traditionalist standpoint and how proud you are just of all of the accomplishments here. Well, it kind of means my life. I've spent half my life over here. It's amazing. To know that I've won here, but I thought so much of, I'm a Bobby Jones sort of, everything about his life I've read and I've admired. And to me, every time I'm on this property, it says everything about his personality. He was one of a kind, but he had a lot of uh, a sort of a graceful taste about everything that he ever did. And uh, he knew that this piece of land was very special. And he said, we're, we're going to let the beauty of the place speak for itself. And uh, what a job, huh? Ah, <laughs> one uh, impeccable job, uh, but that's, he was, Again, a completely different individual.
By the way, Ben Crenshaw is wearing that green jacket right now, and it looks phenomenal. You know you prefer green. It feels awful good, and it will for the rest of my life. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate the time. You're welcome. And with Ben's current family ties to the University of Southern California, we go to a former Trojan standout golfer and San Diego native Craig Stadler, who won the Masters in 1982, just one of his 31 professional titles, and I ran into the walrus wearing his green jacket on the grounds of Augusta National. I just always love a SoCal guy who's done well. You know, there's only five guys from Southern California ever won this thing. So there you go. going back. How many from North Dakota? I have no idea. You're supposed to know all that. No, come on. That's all I know. <laughs> I'm a SoCal guy. What's it like walking around here even today just knowing that you're called a Masters champ? Yeah, it's just fun coming back. I love coming back this every year. It's a fun week. Bring all Bring some people that haven't usually haven't been here before. Friends and it's a working week. I do three or four dinners during the week. Sure. And don't have to make any putts. Don't have to miss any putts. <laughs> it's wonderful. Do you miss it at all going out there playing I in this? I really? Don't. I played Sunday, God knows why. I let, uh, I don't know, I let Fred talk me into playing from the back, my buddy. Wow. And for the tips and, God. It's brutal, isn't it? so long. Does I, it almost I, feel I, like I, a different I, life I, ago? I've honestly only lost probably about 10, 12 yards. But it was it was hybrid central out there to the par fours. Uh, these guys are gonna have at it. It's just fine. That's right. I'm gonna go try not to embarrass myself with the par three, and that's about it. How about coming back here and in the locker, just always knowing you're gonna be welcome here forever. Yeah, it's it's obviously a, a great tradition, but it's an honor to be able to come back here as well. So. What was for dinner last night that you enjoyed? Uh, you just had a ribeye. Oh. Okay. Ribeye, ribeye or your choice is ribeye or trout. I think one person had the trout. <laughs> ribeye was, I was just, I was joking with uh, Carl, one of the waiters last yeah. night. The ribeye was in about, you know, size 40 print, and the trout was like about, you know, one or whatever. That's why everybody whichever, went. Whichever scale you go. I just talked to Bob Golby, and at 90 years old, he says, that's the biggest piece of meat I've ever seen on a yeah, plate in my was, life. It was hard to finish it, but I fought my way through it. Anybody specifically you love uh, to see when you come here? Ah, everybody. It's a, it's a good little fraternity up there. It is. It is little. There's only 33 of us, or 34, the 33 that are alive. 32 of them were there last night, so it's fun. How different is it without Arnie around here? It's different without everybody. Whenever one, one of them yeah. unfortunately passes, it, uh, it leaves a void, but, um, you know, we've got new guys, fresh blood coming in, but uh, everybody misses Arnie, absolutely. Yeah, great to see you, sir. He's everybody's best friend. Absolutely, yep. all the best. Yep. Thank you. From the walrus to the fuzz, the very personable and entertaining Fuzzy Zeller won the Masters in 1979 in amazing fashion. The only guy since the start of the tournament's history who earned a green jacket in his first try, simply a remarkable feat. And it's become an annual thing to catch up with Fuzzy by the clubhouse at Augusta National on Masters Thursday, and he gave Gave us the time here on Touching Greatness. Forty years ago, Frank Fuzzy Zeller won the Masters in his first attempt. Fuzzy, going back that far, what do you remember beginning of the week thinking, do I really have a realistic shot here? Well, no. Listen, I was a professional. Right. Uh, and I had one early in the year, the San Diego Open, to get in here. But... Uh, did I feel that I had a chance when I got her? Yeah, I did. Only because I was playing well at the time. Okay. And when uh, professionals play well at the time, they, I don't care where you're at, um, you've always got that opportunity to win. Now, did I 
think it was going to happen? Probably not. But, uh, you know, your dreams, expectations are always there. They always say experience, especially in the older days, well, yeah. wins here, right? Well, no, I have to agree. I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, but we had the local caddies, okay. you know, because that was what it was, uh, traditional, use the Augusta caddies. And uh, I just happened to catch a guy, Jariah Beard, who uh, to this day is still a very good friend of mine, uh, that we just clicked. The very Monday we came down and played the back nine uh, with Hale Irwin, we had a great time. That's like, well, you know, my, my trust was in him because of his knowledge of the golf course. And I must tell you, it was a tremendous uh, plus for me to have him on that bag because he would tell me, um, you know, if we miss, let's miss to the right side or to the left side or let's miss below the hole. And uh, he was spot on, spot on. Had you ever played this course before, though? No, my Monday, I played that it. That was uh, it? That was it. I played uh, nine holes Monday, and then I played, let's see, 18 on Tuesday and nine holes on Wednesday. Kind of what the guys do now. Right. Same thing. They come in and play nine holes, 18, nine. But, uh, you know, I saw it. It met my eye. And I think uh, for a golfer, some golf courses meet your eye from the tee to the fairway to the green, and then some don't. And usually the ones that don't are the ones you don't play well on because you're battling the whole time. But I felt very comfortable here. What about coming here and seeing this place for the first time? Because I'm sure you only saw it on TV then before that, well, right? It was TV, and uh, pictures don't do the place justice. No. You know, as I, as I say, uh, there's no mountains around here. There's no oceans to look <laughs> at. This is just pur pure beauty cut out of the hills here in Georgia. I mean, it's spectacular. Did it surprise you a little bit how hilly it was? Because most people don't realize that just by watching. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. TV doesn't do it really justice uh, because of the hills. But and it, every it works time, on your body a little bit too, doesn't it? Oh, it's, no, you, you know after you've played 18 holes, oh, you've yeah. done 18 holes. Yeah, you're gasping for air. <laughs> but you can't wait to get at it again, you know, because it's uh, such a dream just to get here. What do you remember about the first round that might stand out saying, okay, we're off to a... An interesting well, start. I was very fortunate. I got paired with Lee Trevino oh. <laughs> uh, the first two rounds. Uh, that was great. And I played with Ed Sneed on Saturday and then uh, Tom Watson on Sunday. So I had, um, I was in a very elite group with her. And uh, Lee made it, you know, he was taking a lot of pressure off of me with him cutting the jokes and having fun. And it, it was a good time. So even at the Masters, Lee would talk as normal? No, Lee talks in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. God love him. <laughs> now, some you probably want to hear, some you might not want to hear. But, you know, it was, not, it, was, it was good. It was a great pairing for me because he's a very relaxed golfer. He never got tight or tense. He's a competitor, you know, even though he didn't play the golf course well. Um, he didn't like the golf course. Again, as we said, with players, it really didn't meet his type of shot. You know, his shots are more of a left or right. And I'm not more of a, I was right to left at the whole time then, back and he, then. And he wasn't afraid to talk about it either. He basically no. says, hey, this is just, this is not for me. Yeah, exactly, right. which is fine. Yeah, exactly. But it goes back to what I just told you. I mean, yeah. there are golf courses where you just feel like you're battling yourself. You know, even though the course just lays there, it's just sometimes it doesn't meet the eye to the player. The amazing thing to me is Life is a game of inches, especially in golf. You are one inch away from never wearing that green jacket. One inch, yeah. right? 
So when Ed Sneed looked down, he still thought the ball might fall in. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about that? Like your whole life, your golf life well, would be different. Um, no, I, I really never have. Um, again, Interesting it was just, way of looking I just at it, happened though, to be at the right place at the right time. <laughs> you know, I had already accomplished my goal was to get in for the next year and finishing in it. Sweet little 16 or top elite, whatever it is there. Right. Um, so I was relaxed. And when Ed missed the putt, again, you don't wish that upon any player to happen to, but golf sometimes can be a very rude game. And that's that's just part of it, you know. And that's the reason why we play 72 holes, and sometimes it takes more. Competition is the same in golf as it is in any sport. Have you ever had, a like, a sit-down with, with Ed and just talked about what happened? Oh, Edgar? Oh, yeah, we've talked. Yeah? Yeah, we've talked. Can you give us a little bit like, uh, you know, what? Well, again, he's a professional. I mean, it just happens. Right. You know, I've done it in my career out there. I mean, not at the Masters. Well, though. not at the Masters, but I mean, other tournaments. Right. It just happens, you know. I mean, you all of a sudden you start leaking oil, and next thing you know, there's nothing in it. <laughs> there's no oil there. But you know, you swallow and you hit your britches, and like Arnold always do, is tighten the belt down just one more notch and grin and bear it and go to the next week. What do you miss most about this place when you played? What I miss about it. Well, I, I, the camaraderie with the players, um, you know, it's like a family out here. Yeah. And I, when I tell everybody it's a family, it is a family-oriented tour. Uh, you see these guys every week, uh, you become attached to them. Uh, the and com- their families. And, well, that's true. Yeah, and you watch the kids grow up. But, yep. uh, yeah, the, probably the, the players, the camaraderie around the players, yeah, you miss that. Now, as far as golf, I don't miss the golf at all. You don't? No, it's too hard. Hell, as far as the ball's just, <laughs> the ball's just sitting here. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Isn't that the defense that it plays? Is the golf looking up at you? Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, you know, I, re- I know I retired at the right time because I don't miss it. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, you know, most people say, well, God, i, I got to go play. I miss it. I'm, we shouldn't have retired. Should have continued to play, but... Uh, no, I don't. I really don't miss it. I set the clubs down and never look back. I think most people think of you as the guy with the green jacket, but you won another major too, and you got to be incredibly proud of, right? Yeah, you know it's amazing uh, with the U.S. Open, uh, the battle with Greg uh, Norman yep. up there at Wingfoot. That was another golf course that fit my eye very well. Perfect. Again, we're talking about courses that just suit players, and I just was that the know, first time you played there too. I played there when I was 19 years old. Okay. We went up and played. Uh, my brother and I went up and played uh, some kind of a man-o-man tournament up there. So first time as a pro. Yeah, first you time played. as a pro. Wow. Yeah. You just loved being the first time. Yeah, and that was a, that was in an 18-hole playoff on Monday the following That's right. day. Yeah. Yes. So they drug wow. that one out, but uh, I like the sudden death stuff much. I think for golf fans who are watching on TV, they want to see a winner that evening. And I think the sudden death format's the best. Looking at this place this week, the field, is this as deep as it gets? It's about as, as good. As, yeah, it's about as good as it gets right here. I mean, TPC has a tremendous field because they come from all around the world. But by golly, they got the corners covered on this one too. And there's only what 92 players or something like that. But they used to say that uh, maybe 10 guys, 12 guys could win. Now it looks like maybe more than 20 guys could win. Yeah. You agree well, with that? well, maybe thirty. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, only because um, they're all—they all hit the ball so doggone far. You know, they're all very competitive. Uh, Who do you like watching? Who do play? I like? I like them all. 
No, watching play. Is there somebody that oh, you Oh, I say? don't watch it all. Are you kidding? <laughs> I don't Not at all? No, I, I every once in a while I'll turn it on. I don't really get into it anymore. Okay. You know, but uh, I do. You had your time. Yeah. Is that basically I mean, it? It was fun. Yeah. I had my time. It was fun. It's time for these young kids to perform. <laughs> Hopefully they don't forget the guys like Arnold and Jack and Gary and, you know, and just every once in a while just tell them thanks because they're the ones that kind of got it all started for us. And finally... Here we are, not too far away from the first tee on the honorary tee shot on the Thursday morning. Talk about what you see out here. And I mean, it, isn't this incredible? It's a wonderful tradition, isn't it? It is. It's a great tradition. Uh, the reason why I'm here, it's just out of pure respect. That's awesome. For those two that are hitting the ball and for Arnold, who was here, and all the older professionals. So when you see them out there, that's the game. That's what you, you told me a couple years ago. You said, that's why we're all here. That's right. That's the reason why we're here. Yep. Exactly. They're the ones who got it going for us, and I'm here to respect them. And forever, you're a Masters champ, and they just have a locker waiting for you. Just drop your stuff in, right? That's it. Yeah, there's not much in it right now. <laughs> right now, there's an empty hanger. I did have a dozen balls. I just gave those to Timmy in the locker room. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I said, hell, I'm not going to need these. I'm not playing golf for a while. You so. got an extra sleeve? Or is... I used to. Well, on my shirt? Yeah, I got plenty of sleeves. Fuzzy, I appreciate the time. Great That's to see you. It's my pleasure, Ted. Good seeing right, you. Thank you. That's 1979 Master Champ Fuzzy Zeller, who will forever proudly wear that green jacket, just like 1991 Masters winner Ian Woosnam, who I spoke with previous to his final time playing in this special event that he gladly told me about after his Wednesday practice round. Well, it's great to see you with or without a green jacket on, Ian, but uh, what's it like coming out here right now for all these years? Uh, you know, just uh, just the memories, the thoughts, uh, the people, you know, the way this tournament is run, it's just something special every year, isn't it? You just yes. look, for me, it's just it's just the start of the golfing calendar, really, uh, first major. It's all exciting, isn't it? You ever think, like, wow, if I didn't win this thing, how your life would be different? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done in my life. I'm, sure. I'm obviously, a major to prove what you've done, you have to win a major. And exactly. You know, obviously, the Open Championships. Any anybody wants to win their Open Champion. If I'm not going to win the Open Championship, this is the tournament I want to win. You know, it's so prestigious, and it. You know, we've been watching this tournament since we were little boys. Sure. All of us have. You know, watching the the greats of the game play it and uh, it's just great to be part of them really. What is the one memory you always take maybe in the middle of the night you wake up and just smile from that week when you won? Well I think uh, that put on the last screen <laughs> really you know it's you, know, you dream about them things when you're a little kid you stand on the pudding green you're telling your mates you, oh, I'm, <laughs> you know I'm Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player whoever <laughs> it is and you know this is for the Masters you know and I'm, you, know, you don't get them chances very very often and when it's your day, you get a putt like I had, which was just, just outside right, and you're right-hander. I couldn't have asked for a better putt. If it had yeah. been left to right, it might have been a different story. Plus, it was sort of like if I missed, I was going into a playoff. So, right. you know, you still got to hold the putt, and uh, you, don't, you know what? Anything can happen in the playoff. So I was proud of myself and for holding that putt. And just proud is one thing to say. You're always going to be known as a Masters champ. That's got to feel incredible when they call you that, right? That, that, absolutely. And I go up that, I go up that stairs into that <laughs> locker room and put my jacket on. It's you got to be really proud. Of it. And that locker is still waiting for you always, isn't a it? Absolutely. And it'll be there for a lot more longer as well when I'm down in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what is it that I just heard you say? Maybe this is going to be your last one well, to play? Yeah, is pretty it, sure. Is it's... it just enough? It's like 
why do it every year? It's, uh, it's just physically too much for me. Now, I've got, I've got, a, I've always had a bad back. I got right. AS, and it's every time I come here, it just these ills just kill me. Sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, tell the yeah. average fan out there that doesn't know, because when you see it on television, you have no idea how steep these hills are. Well, I think the elevation is 260 yards from wow. down rears up to the up to here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you're going up and down all the time. But the hardest thing is Augusta cuts the grass right against you every time yeah. so when you're always walking into the grain and you know if you know if you cut if you if you cut your lawn and you do one strip one way and one strip the other way it's amazing how much if you're walking into that dark place sure. how much it catches you and puts the strain on you sure so how tough is it to just say because i know you thought about it but uh, to actually say i'm not going to do this anymore is there just something that's holding you back always well always i just feel <laughs> like i'm going to feel a little bit better next year but it all it turns out the same thing ever i practice hard to get here and try to get my game in shape usually it's what i've been doing lots of chipping and putting sure but i haven't done this year i've been doing a lot hitting a lot of balls and it hasn't affected me but as soon as I got here, I played wow. Thursday, and on the next day, I could hardly walk again. It's wow. amazing. So, we're, so we're waiting for the one year where you say you come here and you're a year younger, and that would be better, right? <laughs> well, I better come back in a different life, I think. <laughs> but, uh, maybe, maybe they change the rules and give us a car. You know? maybe, maybe I go with that disability thing, you know. It's great to see you, sir. Yeah. Welcome back. Thanks very Enjoy much. It. So from fuzzy to woozy to the oldest surviving Masters champ, Bob Golby, who tied Roberto DiVincenzo at the end of 72 holes of regulation play back in 1960 and would have had to face him in an 18-hole playoff the next day. But a mistake on DiVincenzo's scorecard gave Golby his green jacket, and it was great to run into him for a few minutes under the tree. What is it like walking in through these grounds with that green jacket? Well, it's a great feeling, even though in my case it was 51 years ago wow. that I won it. But uh, it's always a pleasure to come back here because people that are here, they're, they're ardent golfers. And they're here because they like the game. It isn't just a, it isn't a monkey show or something. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of nice. Most people understand the game and they understand the situation here, and they come here to see good golf. How would your career have been different if you didn't win this green jacket? Oh, who knows? I I finished second in the Open and right. Second in the PGA, maybe I'd have won one of those, and uh, maybe I'd have won two or three more. I don't think it would have been much different, but this kind of puts you in a different echelon. It really does, doesn't it? You're not just a golf pro that's pretty good. You're, you're, you're supposedly a little better if you win here. Whether you are or not, it's immaterial, but uh, you get credit for that. Not too many places you can come back and your locker is yeah, waiting for you with right. your name on it too, right? Yeah, here I am uh, <laughs> 51 years later. Wow talking to you about how nice it was and they pay us to come to the dinner and uh, we have a we have a good time when we're here how was the dinner this year well the steaks were almost too big and too really? thick yeah they were <laughs> they were a bone-in steak and oh, uh, wow. yeah they were good yeah uh, but always food is good here what's the one thing you look forward to when you come back oh just seeing the guys mostly that I played with and uh, of course in my case I'm 90 years old now wow. Uh, I'm the oldest one here, so a lot of my buddies are gone. Sam Snead was a good friend. Doug Ford was a good friend. Billy Casper was a good friend. They've all died in the, you know, not too long ago. Sam died about 18 years ago, but we never, no one forgets Snead. We always mention him at the dinner because he was, he was so good that 
he had rabbit ears, you know. He, he heard everything that was going on, or he would have really? been, or he would have been better. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't concentrate as well as some of the guys do. Yeah, I'm surprised he's still not talking at the dinner. He liked to talk, didn't he? Yeah, well, he always told a few dirty jokes. <laughs> we all loved them, but he, some of the guys didn't like them. But really, he didn't give a damn. He told them anyway. <laughs> but he didn't like the jokes, or they didn't like him. Oh no, well, they they all like Sam. No, Sam I hope was, so. Sam was uh, well liked by the players, but some some of the public didn't because he was a little rough sometimes. Yeah. Out there playing, and he didn't like cameras, and uh, he, he he didn't concentrate as well as some of the other great players. As good as he was, he would have been a hell of a lot better if he could have concentrated. He let the birds and the pretty girls and the little noise over here bother him or something. <laughs> you know, a lot of things sure. he let bother him where Hogan and some of those guys, they didn't let that outside stuff bother him. Best swing you ever saw? Well, Sam Snead had the best swing, the greatest tempo. Smoothest, isn't it? Smooth as it gets, right? Yeah, it was very smooth. He had a great pause at the top and... He never hurried to swing, and he was strong as a bull and uh, and uh, pretty smart player. But he let his temper, not the temper, uh, he let outside agencies bother him a little bit, which was really pretty stupid of him because he was a good. Exactly. If he kept his cool, he was going to win, you know. He won enough anyway, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he won 19 more that were official now that were unofficial when he won them. Oh, wow. He won five Crosbys that didn't count. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So when uh, when Tiger catches him, I'm sure somebody will stick up for Sam and uh, <laughs> talk, a, talk a good game. That's great. One yeah. more thing. Who's your favorite player to watch now? Do you have one? Well, I'm a Tiger fan. I uh, I don't care what he did with the girls. I'm, I'm interested in the golf, you know. He's a good guy, too. He doesn't talk, pop off in the dinner last night he stays in his place and he's a nice man you enjoy being around him yeah he's a good guy that's great the well, people all the guys all like him that's excellent well welcome back it's great to see you yeah well it's nice to be here this is my 62nd straight trip fantastic i don't play anymore of course but i but i still i still come 62 years from now we'll make a date i'll see you right here well i don't think so but maybe <laughs> next year i'll be here pleasure <laughs> sir great to see you yeah. all the best bob and last but not least, I had a wonderful and candid chat with 1971 Masters champ Charles Cootie, the very proud Texan who loves coming back to Augusta National every single year. Hi, Ted. How are you? I'm great. And you're one of the only guys I haven't talked to that wears a green jacket who earned it. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, what's it like coming back here for you oh, every yeah. year? Well, it's fabulous. How could it be anything else? Is it like none other, as they say? It's a... <laughs> Well, it's a it's a it's a tradition in its own right, like none other. Have you ever thought about if you didn't win this thing, how your life might be different? Uh, well, from a golf standpoint, it would be totally different. But as far as my family and myself, no. nothing would be different. Right. Yeah, explain but, that to the average fan. How it would be different from a golf standpoint? Well, uh, you know, uh, I'm very very lucky. I've got the best wife in the world, and she's been. A great partner of mine for almost 60 years. We had three kids, seven great kids, and now we got six great grandkids. Wow! So in essence, I'm sleeping with a beautiful 80-year-old great grandmother. <laughs> but how does it affect your golf life, though, winning the the Masters? And, and how would it have been different, do you think? Well, it puts your name uh, there in front of people that, uh, in most cases, that might not know who you are, and if they have any sense of uh, 
going back through time and see who, who won the uh, tournament and this, that, and the other. And that's always good. And, 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 and also, at the same time, it brings you opportunities that might, probably wouldn't come your way otherwise. I'm sure. And besides so, the fact that you get a heck of a nice dinner every year, don't you? That's right. <laughs> I got a free dinner. What do they do when you won? What, uh, did they have the dinner thing then? Oh, yeah. We, 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 ordered, we ordered off the menu. Oh, really? Yeah, Sandy Lyle started the uh, specialties with Haggett's. Ah, uh, gotcha. I, I said, there's no, no way. No, thank you. No, no, no way I'm eating Haggett's. I had a steak. <laughs> and when Tiger served cheeseburgers, I had a steak. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's great. He wasn't going to get out for a cheeseburger. Oh, that's funny. Because I talked to Bob Golby today. He said, that's like one of the biggest steaks I've ever seen from last night. It was. It was a huge steak. I, I, I had ordered fish. Uh, yes, which I hear is like about one-fifth the size of that steak, too, right? Yeah. It was a little piece of fish. Yeah, well, no, it was it was more than I could oh, eat. Oh, was it? it was, yeah, it was a very healthy helping of fish. Oh, good for you. Good yeah, for you. It, it was nice. So going back, looking at the course now and when you won, how do you describe the difference of what they've done to this place? It's like walking from the dark into the sunlight. Really? In yeah, what way? Well, we, all of us have talked, uh, you know, a lot of my friends and I, uh, like Tommy Aaron and there, we've talked, and we thought the golf course was in fantastic shape back then. But, oh. if any, but if any of us go back and look at the film that they send us after we won, you see a lot of bare spots, and you see a lot of spots like that you don't see out here now. In fact, I facetiously tell people that are coming here for the first time, if you find a weed, pull it and bring it back. I'll give you $100 for it. <laughs> That's great. There are no weeds. It really, and it's not just Augusta, though. The game was different then, too. You guys played a lot of courses. But forget, I'm sure Augusta was, was one of the best, but at I, the time, there were a lot yeah, of courses like you wouldn't, I, they wouldn't even play I, it. Out, I, right? uh, we, we, we hardly played anything that was better than Augusta at that time. Sure. That's just how they... Uh, it's like Byron Nelson. Somebody asked him what was the greatest thing that was ever invented in golf, and he said the lawnmower. <laughs> That's beautiful. So it, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, the things they can do to manicure a golf course now and, and get it into tip-top shape Amazing. is just unbelievable. It really is. It's really down to a science. And, of course, when you're working with an unlimited budget, you can, uh, you can use all the science you yeah. want. A couple more things. Who's the best swing you ever saw? The best swing? Yeah. Uh, that you would die to just say, I want that swing. Well, I thought a friend of mine had one of the best swings, Tom Percher. Oh, Tom's good. Yeah, Tom, yeah. Tom had a fabulous swing. Uh, but he grew up in Phoenix, and there was no wind growing up, so he, he never learned how to keep the ball down. Interesting. And uh, as, as far as just putting the ball up in the air and everything, he had the ideal swing. And, uh, and stuff. Of course, there's a lot of a lot of good swings. Better than Sam Snead. Better than uh, well, of course, Sam. Hogan. Well, Sam Snead was a shot maker. Yes. Hogan, in a way, was very mechanical and methodical in his play. And, uh, and I, I tell you a Jimmy Demerit story. Sure. Uh, Demerit made a statement, two statements, in fact, one about both of them about Hogan. Whenever he practiced, that he would his caddy with the first shot, and he'd hit him three more times before he got up. Oh God, that's beautiful. And then the second story was <laughs> that when they played 36 holes on the last day of the Open, that afternoon he would play out of his morning divots. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that tells you the uh, the reputation that Hogan had as a ball striker. That's as far as being accurate and everything. He was incredible. I, I had the opportunity to play with him about really? three, three or four times and. It was mesmerizing. In competition, I assume. Well, no, one was just in a casual round of golf. How'd you and, end up with that? 
Did he just call well, you up and said, hey, well, no, Charlie, was, let's go? I was, I was representing the Hogan factory, uh, oh, Hogan company at the helps. time, <laughs> and I went out to the factory to get some. He stuck his head out of the door and said, what are you doing? And I told him, and he said, well, let's go to Colonial and have lunch. Oh, and that's play. beautiful. So it didn't take me long to say yes. But you're a uh, pro, though, so is that kind of thing like wow? Was there a wow factor to you? Well, sure it was. Uh, when you're playing with a person that, that uh, has the control of the golf ball like he did, Everything you do seems so conspicuously wrong. Even then? Oh, yeah. Really? Because, I mean, how long was he retired by then? That was in 1964. So he was still playing some. He was still playing a little bit, right, yeah. But right. he, would, he he really basically retired from competition in 53. That's after, true. After, after he won the uh, three majors. Yep. Unbelievable. Stuff. So he, he was, uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, just to watch him uh, practice and hit balls. Did you get balls. any pictures that day at all with him? No, I wasn't smart enough. Oh, man, yeah. that'd be a nice one to put on the wall, wouldn't well, it? it? Of course it would. But it's a, it's a better story. But though. I got a very nice letter from him after I won the nice. tournament. And, very nice. Which I still have. Yeah, is that up on the wall somewhere in a frame? It's in my scrapbook. That's a beautiful thing. So, no, that was very nice of him to welcome me to be a member of the Masters Champion wow. Club. That's great. Yeah. No, I got a chance to go in that champions room because I won the, the media lottery one day. Is that so right? So I got a chance to play the next day. It was five years ago. Yeah. And to be in that room is, it's, like, unbelievable. It's unreal, isn't it? it it's like I didn't want to yeah. leave. Yeah. I had to get security to kick me out of there. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand. So you follow the game very closely still? I keep an eye on it. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm a big Jordan Spieth fan. I, I, I really I really admire Jordan not only as a player but as a person. Oh, he's a great guy. In fact, I've got 19-year-old twins that are playing golf at UT, and I told both oh, of nice. them. I told both of them. I said, if you make uh, Jordan Spieth your role model, you can't go wrong. Very good. Very so good. So you're rooting for Jordan. I really like Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's just, got, he got one pretty young, didn't he? A green oh, yeah. jacket. Well, he, he should have had two. That's true. Of course, there, there's a lot of woulda, shoulda, exactly. shoulda, you know. It's, it's a lot easier, especially on this course, but, right? Uh, <laughs> but he'll, uh, he'll he'll get his driving, when he gets his driving worked out and, and, and stops trying to hit it so far and just put it in the fairway, then he'll get going again. Is it just me, or do the guys almost overthink in the room now more than ever? Well, there's so there's so much uh, media talk, so much analytical stuff that yeah, are Yeah, but they don't have to do that. No. Right? I but, mean, if they but, just get but, in their own uh, bubble. But you've almost got to just uh, turn the TV off not to hear it. Don't don't read any papers or anything. You know, you've got to, you've got to be able to just shut the world out. And, uh, yeah, that really does affect things, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And once you get to think, the worst, the worst thing a golfer can do is to overthink. Exactly. You know, they Especially can, on the course. If you want to do that oh, in the yeah. range, do whatever you want. But. That's right. Just go out and have fun once. You, I mean, you're already a pro. You're already a great player, one well, of the best in the world. Is every, that possible? Everybody that plays out here has a certain degree great imagination, and that's what. That's true. That's really what you need to use, just your imagination. That's what got you here. So don't don't put another nickel in the jukebox and try to play a different tune. Charles, it's a pleasure meeting you. I really nice, appreciate nice the time. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my specials Masters podcast here on the Believe Network. And there's nothing better than doing this from Augusta National. I am still Ted Sobel for touching greatness. Enjoy the greatest golfers in the world, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.